Well, it is good to worship God together today. I am so glad uh, to see all of your faces. And for those of you that are joining us online, and you can see my face, but I can't see yours, I'm still glad that you're joining with us. So thank you for worshiping together. So uh, I'm just going to start right out of the gate here today. Uh, One of the uh, favorite places that uh, my family likes to eat at here in town in Wanakee. I'm sure you guys have some favorite places that you like to eat, but one of the favorite places that my family likes to eat is Milio's. I'm just wondering, how many of you in here are sandwich people? You just love sandwiches. All right, you've got, both of you are in here today. That's awesome. Uh, okay, cool. Uh, I am actually, you know, my family, they're sandwich people, and I'm not as much, but anyway, but we love when we do want sandwiches, and most of my family wants sandwiches a lot, and so we go to Milio's. But then something really kind of raised Milio's in our minds a little bit higher than it was already when we discovered a few years ago that you can go to Milio's and you can actually buy bread, just bread, right? Did you guys know that? Like you can get it wrapped, you can get it like fresh bread, or you can get like day-old bread, which is cheaper. You know which one I go for? Day-old bread, obviously, because it's cheaper, right? And I'm like, it still tastes the same. It's fine, just day-old. Like everybody's like, ooh, day-old bread, whatever. Well, here's the deal. I don't know about how, how, how many of you just like, you look at this and you're like immediately hungry. You just go, mm-hmm. All right, Jess is willing to admit, yeah, she is, right? And uh, anybody want some bread? Anybody want some day-old bread? Ruby, you were like, your eyes got huge. And so right away, anybody else want some bread? Anybody else? Uh, see, here we go. You got to watch your heads, but it's going. Oh, man, nailed it. Did you see that? One-handed. You guys must be skiers and athletic or something. I don't know. That's awesome. Anybody else? One more? One more. All right, here we go. Let's see if I can get it out there. Yes. Yes. Oh, not quite as good, but that's okay. All right, here's the deal. We're having fun here today, right? I'm throwing bread. Uh, this, is, this is good. Welcome to Northridge, right? This is how we roll. Now, here's why I started that way. The, the reason I talk about bread is because today I actually want to talk to you about bread. But not this kind of bread. I'm going to talk to you about a different kind of bread. Now, this is physical bread. This gets us excited. But I hope you get really excited about the kind of bread that I'm going to talk about today, which is not a physical kind of bread. So last week, we started a brand new series where we're asking a very simple and a really important question for Christmas. And that question is very simply this. Who is Jesus? Who is he? Who is Jesus? What, who does he say he is? Who do we claim that he is? Who is Jesus? When you really come down to it, when you think about it, who is this guy that we worship, that we serve, that, that came to this earth, that was God in the flesh? So last week, we talked about this just a little bit, but Jesus himself claimed very boldly and very clearly that he is three things. He is God. He is Messiah, and he is resurrected. He defeated death by resurrecting from the grave. We, we discovered, we realized the, realize, the reality that Jesus didn't just do these things. He claimed that he is those things. That Jesus is God, he is Messiah, and he's resurrected. Today, I want to tell you another thing that Jesus actually claims that he is, 
And he also demonstrates this through his actions in life and his words. So not only does he show this how he lives, but he says he is this. And so we're going to dig into a little bit of that. So let me kind of get you into the context of the story that we're going to be in. If you'd like to follow along on your own Bible app or in your own Bible, go ahead and turn to John chapter 6. We're going to be in John chapter 6 today. And uh, we're actually going to hang out there for uh, just a few minutes, and then we'll jump to John chapter 4 if you want to kind of put your finger in that one. That would be fine, and it'll be on the screen as usual. But let me kind of just set the context for this story. So uh, in this story, Jesus and the disciples, it's probably one of the more famous ones in the New Testament, Jesus and the disciples are on the side of a lake. And the people are listening to Jesus teach, and you know they're, they're having a great time. And then it kind of gets late in the day. And what happens when, you know, you've been doing something for a few hours? I don't know about you, but I get hungry. Right? Anybody else get hungry? Like after a while, I'm just kind of like, hmm, I stop focusing on what's going on and I'm just like focusing on the fact that I'm hungry. Some of you are just like that because you're holding fresh bread right now. You're like, yeah, I'm hungry too. All right? I'm going to be watching you and see if you like to start taking bites as I go longer here, right? As we get to the end of the service. But, but I, I kind of start getting thinking about this. And so the disciples, they start getting hungry and they say, Jesus, we, there's no way to feed thousands of people. How are we going to do this? You guys know this story, don't you? And so the disciples, they find this boy that brought a lunch. He brought five loaves of bread, probably from Milio's, I'm guessing. Okay, Milio's didn't exist, but you get it. Five loaves of bread and two fish for a lunch. And the disciples say, this is all we have. This is the only food that we can find. And Jesus says, that'll work. And they're probably going, uh, there's thousands of people here. Five loaves of bread, two fish, not going to work. And Jesus says, yeah, we can make this work. And so you guys know the story. He blesses it. And what happens to the food? It multiplies. The disciples start handing out the food, and it just keeps growing. It keeps multiplying. And they feed thousands and thousands of people. It's a pure miracle. And they gather 12 basketfuls at the end, leftovers even. I don't know about you, but I love me some leftovers. They collect leftovers, 12 basketfuls, and there's this miraculous feeding of the thousands of people. Now, some of you might say, ooh, we're going to talk about that story. Nope, we're not going to talk about that story today. That's a great story. I've preached on that story. I love that story. One of my favorites. But I actually want to take us to the very next day after that happened. So fast forward, a whole bunch of stuff happens in the middle of the night. Jesus walks on water. The disciples have to get across the lake. There's all this stuff that happens. Now we're going to fast forward to the next day after this miraculous feeding of the thousands of people. And all of those people kind of catch up to Jesus and the disciples. And so Jesus is like, okay, I'm going to have compassion on the people. But let's be honest. Do you know why the people were chasing after Jesus and the disciples? Two words. Free food. <laughs> Anybody else come running when you hear free food? How many of you are like pretty excited when I started throwing bread out? Let's be honest. Like, sweet! Like, we can have that bread? This is awesome! I get it. I personally love food, and the only thing better than food is free food. Okay? I love free food. And these people, these thousands of people, they're like, Jesus just made this free food up here out of nowhere, like from the, from the five loaves of bread and two fish. Did you see that? That's amazing. Let's, let's go find Jesus again today. Maybe he'll give us free food again. And so they're chasing after Jesus. And they all catch up to Jesus. And you know what the, one of the first things they asked Jesus to do? They didn't want to hear him teach. They didn't want to hear a sermon again. They didn't want any of that. You know what they asked for? They say, Jesus, show us another miracle. 
In other words, we're hungry. We'd like some more of that free food. That's what they ask. And so that's where we're going to pick up the story. They've just asked Jesus, show us a miracle. And by the way, they quote the Old Testament to Jesus. If you ever quote the Testament, the, anything in the Bible to Jesus, you know you're out of your league, right? But they quote the Old Testament to Jesus and say, Jesus, remember Moses gave the Israelites bread from heaven? Could you give us some bread from heaven? Like, we'd love to see you do what Moses did. This is Jesus' response to them. John chapter 6, starting with verse 32. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. God did. And now he, God, offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And so Jesus answers their saying like, hey, we, we want to get bread from heaven like Moses gave to the Israelites. You remember that, Jesus? And Jesus said, yeah, but you need to remember, Moses didn't give you that bread. God did. God is the one that used Moses to give that bread. And now I actually can give you true bread from heaven. Like, like, and, and as soon as the people hear this now, understand, the people do not understand what Jesus is talking about. They're like, they hear that true bread thing. They're like, ooh, true bread. This must be a new deal. Like Jesus has a new miracle for us today. Yesterday was good, but now we have true bread from heaven. It's not just Moses bread. It's true bread. And you know what they say? Let me read it for you. The very next verse. Sir, they call Jesus sir. They're being respectful because they're about to get free food. Sir, they said, give us that bread, true bread, every day. And Jesus is like, oh man, they don't know what they're asking. <laughs> They do not know what they're saying. You want true bread from heaven every day? All right. But that's what they say. And then this is Jesus' response. This is kind of where it starts to turn sideways a little bit for the thousands of people. And they start to go, uh, maybe we miss, we're mistaken on something. Jesus says, very next verse, he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Ooh, that's a weird turn, right? I mean, yesterday Jesus made like physical food, bread and fish appear and multiply like crazy. And they're like, woo, free food, this is amazing. And then Jesus says, true bread from heaven. Like, yeah, true bread from heaven. Let's do that every day. That would be amazing. Okay, yeah, sounds good. Free bread from Milio's every single day. They're like, yeah, let's do that. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. You don't understand. There's no free food today. Because the free food is actually me. Yesterday was awesome. But now you need to understand where the free food comes from. Jesus says, I'm actually the bread. I'm the bread of life. I'm the one that you need to be here for. I'm the one that can give you life and sustain you, not that food that I gave you yesterday. And so Jesus kind of drops this bomb about this physical food. And of course, Jesus is not talking about physical food, right? He's talking about spiritual food. He's talking about our faith. Jesus is saying, whoever comes to me, whoever believes in me, whoever follows me, you will never go hungry. You will never be thirsty. He's not talking about physically, right? 
Because at some point, you can, you can pray all you want, but at some point you're going to have to fill your stomach with physical food. Jesus is not talking about physical food here. He's talking about spiritual sustenance. Spiritual nourishment is what he's talking about. He's talking about feeding on Jesus. You understand, not literally, that'd be weird. But feeding on him and his love, his joy, his peace, his grace. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Now, let me kind of give an example of what he means by this. To do that, I need to take us to a different story. So last week, I actually mentioned this story. Remember when Jesus and the woman at the well have a conversation? Uh, Jesus is talking with this woman, and he basically tells her everything that he knows about her, which is everything. And she's like, wow, Jesus, this guy that I just met, I've never met him before, and he knows everything about my entire life. And then at the end of the conversation, if you remember from last week, if you were here last week, if you joined us last week or you watched online, last week we said at the end of the conversation, Jesus has this amazing talk with this woman. And at the end of the conversation, Jesus says, I am the Messiah. Which is like this for her. Right? For us, we talk about the Messiah, we heard, we've heard about Jesus, all this stuff, but understand that she has been waiting and praying and seeking the Messiah along with the Israelites for hundreds of years. They've been waiting for the Messiah, looking for the Messiah. And she says to this woman in that moment, I am the Messiah. And so this blows her mind, and in that moment, she starts to, she drops her water jug, and she runs off to the town. She's going to tell everybody that she just met the Messiah. Right, And at that same time, the 12 disciples, you know where they were? They were in town buying food. They were trying to get food so that they and Jesus can eat together. And so about the time that the woman runs off, the 12 disciples arrive back to where Jesus is. And I want to pick up the story there because something very important happens. John chapter 4, verse 28. The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village, telling everyone, Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? She's still kind of questioning, but she's excited. So the people from the village came streaming from the village to see him. So they're all excited. They're like, I don't know if this is true, but she's clearly excited. We need to go meet this guy. And so now a whole bunch of people start running out of the village on their way to Jesus. And again, about that same time, the disciples are there and they're like, Jesus, we got some McDonald's. We got some Milios for you. Like we found a place to eat. Like we got some food for you. And they're worried about Jesus in this moment because they see all these people coming. They had a moment to eat, but now the moment's gone. All these people are coming. They know how this goes. Jesus is going to have compassion on the people. He's not going to eat and they're worried about it. So next verse is what it says. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. That's a good question, right? I mean, that, that Jesus says these things where you just go, uh, I think I missed something. Somewhere along the way. Like, he's, I have a food that you know nothing about. And they're kind of looking around like, did he eat already? Did somebody, did that woman that just left, like, bring him food? Like, what's going on? Jesus tells us to go get food in the town. And then we come back and he says, nah, I have food that you know nothing about. Well, why do we go get the food then? Right? I'm sure that this is what they're thinking. It just seems normal, but it's not normal. 
He says, no, I have food that you know nothing about. It's a good question. And then Jesus follows it up with this because he knows they're, they just don't understand what he's saying. And this is really the crux of today's topic, what he says here. Then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. Jesus says in this moment, he tells the disciples, no, I'm not talking about physical food. Thank you for bringing the physical food. We'll eat that here in a little while or maybe later tonight, whatever. But I'm talking about spiritual nourishment. Jesus is saying, I am sustained. I am motivated. I am uh, moved. I am healthy. I have life by doing the will of God, not by eating food. My nourishment comes from doing what God wants me to do by doing the will of God. Now, the truth is this is, this is tough teaching, isn't it, from Jesus? Because it's hard to understand this. Jesus is the bread of life. His nourishment doesn't come from physical food. It comes from doing the will of God, from serving God, from serving other people. It's just kind of a hard teaching. And honestly, this was a very difficult teaching in Jesus' day. People did not, they didn't understand what Jesus was saying, and they didn't get what Jesus was saying, and it was kind of hard to accept, honestly. In fact, let me prove this to you. Let's go back to John chapter 6, where we started. Remember, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And then do you know what he says after that? He says, you must eat me. You must drink my blood, is what Jesus says. Mmm, that sounds great, right? That's what, that's what Jesus says after he says, I am the bread of life. He says, literally, you need to consume me. I need to consume you. You need to consume me. We need to be one. We need to be fully and completely together as much as we possibly can. Jesus is saying, you need to serve and sacrifice for me as I am serving and sacrificing for you. We're going to do this kind of mutually. And at that point, that was not a popular message for people in Jesus' day. To say, you need to serve and you need to sacrifice for God. It was not necessarily a popular message. It was hard to understand. In fact, let me prove it. A few verses after Jesus says, I'm the bread of life, you need to you know, do all these things. This is what it says. At this point, many of his, Jesus' disciples, turned away and deserted him. When Jesus calls it out, okay, and, then, and, and then read what it says there next on verse uh, 67. Then Jesus turned to the twelve, the twelve disciples that we know of, and asked, are you also going to leave? See, what Jesus is saying is, in this moment, he says, I am the bread of life. You must consume and be consumed by me. You need to serve and sacrifice for me, for God. You're going to set aside your own agenda. If you're hungry, that's okay. Physically, we were made to need to be hungry. At some point later today, I'm going to eat. Okay? We know that that's a physical need. There's nothing wrong with that. But what Jesus is saying is sometimes we need to set our own agenda. We need to set our own needs aside and focus and consume what Jesus has to offer us. And that means serving and sacrificing for him. It's going to cost us something. 
And again, it's not a popular message, right? Because he's saying that you guys need to set this aside. And, and the people are like, uh, Jesus, we came for the free food. So where's the free food? And Jesus says, no, 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 no. You don't understand. Our relationship is not where you just consume and I pour out to you so that you can get whatever you want. That's American Christianity. That's not actual Christianity. Right? Being consumers is something that, that we, let's be honest, kind of have been taught from the beginning in our culture, haven't we? I, I know I have. Uh, for, let, me, let me just kind of give you an example of this. So how many of you can tell me the slogan for Burger King? Anybody know the slogan for Burger King? Have it. Have it your way, right? Have it your way. Now, this, was, this has been their slogan for a very, very long time. Uh, it goes back to, I don't know, 70s, maybe 80s. They came up with this for a long, long time ago. And when they did, there was a big dog on the scene, right, for fast food. You know who that big dog was? McDonald's. Yeah. Still is kind of the big dog. But Burger King's always trying to take bites out of, <laughs> see what I did there, out of McDonald's. Okay? Burger King's been doing that their, their whole existence. And so what, the way that they started to try to take bites out of McDonald's, because what you used to do, this is not the way anymore, you can kind of do things you, you, how you want at McDonald's, but it used to be you ordered, like, say, a Big Mac, and you got what? You got two patties, you got the special sauce, you got the lettuce, you got the thing, the, the sesame seed bun, right? We all know what you get with McDonald's. You know what it is. And every time you get it, it's going to taste essentially the same. And it's going to be dripping with grease the same way. Right? That, that bun looks really good in the advertisements. When it's soaked with grease, it looks less good. Let's be honest, like soggy, like mm, a little squishy. Right? And so Burger King's like, how do we take some of the, this food shares from customers? You know what we're going to do? We're going to pander to the customers. We're going to make them feel better about themselves so they'll come and eat. And we're going to say, have it your way. You can order it with however you want. You can order it however you want, right? You can do whatever you want. And so Burger King has actually taken this, and you already see it there. They've taken this one step further, and now they end their commercials with these two words. Have it your way, and guess what? You rule. No, they do that. Like, have you noticed that? They're like, at the end, they're like, you rule. They're like, woo, motivational speaker, yeah. You rule, have it your way, you're awesome, you're the king, you're the queen, you can, you can eat whatever you want, you can order it with pickles or without pickles, you get to do whatever you want, have it your way, you're the king, you're the queen, yay, feed yourself and spend as much money as you can. This is our culture. This is one example of literally thousands that we could use. Of where they say, you're awesome, you deserve it, have some more grease, eat some more burgers, spend some more money, you're worth it. Right? And we get consumed and duped by it. I'm the same way, I'm not, I'm not preaching you know, to you guys because like, I'm above this. Oh my goodness, I get this too. I see all the stuff, the eye candy. I'm like, oh, mm, that'd be nice. You know, ooh, look at that. 
The reason they put those things on pictures and billboards and they play that during football games, pizza and all that kind of stuff. Have you noticed how much of that stuff is on football games and soccer games? And all that stuff? It's because you're sitting there and you're going, all you're doing is sitting there, right? And they're like, man, I'll bet we could get them right now. Yep, you can. Those chips look really good. You know what? I've got to run to the store real quick. I just remembered something. Right? Or I'm going to, or maybe we already have it in the pantry. I just have to walk upstairs. Yes. And I just, which means I empty the bag, which means I got to buy, go buy more, right? And so Jesus is talking about this understanding of fighting, of conflicting, of going against this mentality of consuming. Because if, if I were going to be honest, let's be honest, I think that this mentality of being consumers has impacted and infected the church. The message that was not popular in Jesus' day, I don't think is real popular today either. We've got kind of a mentality of church that says, church is about sitting or attending or showing up. And I'm just going to be honest with you, Jesus didn't die on a cross so that you could sit in a chair. Trust me when I say I'm speaking to myself. I know it feels weird because I'm the one standing. But that's not why Jesus died. That's American version of Christianity. Just show up. It's fine. It's all good. The truth is that being the church, following Christ is about doing. It's not about sitting. Church is not sitting, church is doing. Absolutely. And I know this gets to the uncomfortable part, right? Because this kind of separates the room a little bit. I, I, I know that. Because some of you are really comfortable because you're like, man, you, you serve, you sacrifice, you do stuff all the time in the church and for the church and outside the church. and all. You do stuff all the time. And some of us in here, honestly, we're like, eh, we don't do a whole lot. Maybe we don't do anything. And so this is uncomfortable. Right? It's not a popular message. Just like when Jesus said what he said, many of his disciples left, never to return. This is not a popular message, serving and sacrificing for God. But it is what Jesus calls us to do. Uh, so I, I want to do something that I've never done before. Um, so uh, Jackson and Hannah, I want you guys, would you join me up here real quick? I yeah, thank you. Uh, I, I actually, so they don't know what I'm about to say. Isn't that fun? And they're both teenagers to boot. <laughs> Isn't that great? I've never done this before in the 10 years that we uh, have existed as a church. So, uh, hi, my dear. Hi, sweetie. <laughs> Can you tell how excited she is? This is awesome. Hey, dude. <laughs> All right, so this is my son Jackson, this is my daughter Hannah, 15 and 13, right? Now, here's, here's the truth. I could, I could bring a couple hundred different people up here. My kids are really excited I chose those, them two, aren't you? I love you guys. 
I've, uh, to this day, 10 years, I've never brought my family up on stage. But here's what I know I have done. I tell stories about my family all the time. Sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're not so good. Sometimes it deals with my kids. Sometimes it doesn't. But my son and my daughter and my other son, Tanner, who's not up here, and my wife, um, sometimes my mom, <laughs> they have to deal with me telling stories about us all the time. And so today, I wanted to get them up here, not to tell stories about them, but to kind of pr- sing their praises for a minute. I love these guys a lot. And let me just say, I want them to know that I'm very, very proud of them and how they serve Jesus. A lot of you may not even have noticed, but Jackson, I just pulled him off of the soundboard here just today because he's serving both services. He's been here since, I don't know what time you were here, early, 7.30, whatever it was. And he'll be here until after lunch and or up till lunch and tearing down all kind of stuff. He's going to be here for like five hours this morning. He's 15 He has other ideas of things that he would like to do. I promise you that. And Hannah, she just uh, danced in uh, the Nutcracker yesterday, two shows, which was awesome. She's exhausted here today. She agreed. I asked if I could bring them up. They didn't know what I was going to say. But let me just say that Jackson, he runs sound and camera, and sometimes he's the director, which means he sits back there and makes sure the tech works. Uh, Many, many, more Sundays than not. Hannah, you don't usually see Hannah in a lot of our services. She'll be in one service almost every Sunday, but it's because she serves in the kids' areas pretty much just about every Sunday, either nursery, preschool, or one of the kids' classes. And again, I could bring a lot of you up here, right? Uh, Grady, you serve on the camera. Nelson's, you guys have served on the camera. A lot of you serve your greeters. You come set up. You do a lot of these things. But I just wanted to kind of say for Jackson and Hannah, a 15 and a 13-year-old, and just so that you know, they're not doing this because mom and dad said you have to. They know they have to be here. That's not a question. They know they're physically going to be here. But we have given them the option of how much they're going to give and sacrifice and serve while they're here. And they've chosen to do that. Every now and then we hear what they'd rather be doing. And that's okay. But I just wanted to say that these two get it. And they're serving and they're sacrificing and giving of their time and their energy to do something that doesn't necessarily help them. It simply serves God and serves other people. Thank you, guys. You guys can go. Love you. And again, I'm serious. I know that I could bring... A lot of the the people, a lot of you in this room, some of you serve in the worship band, some of you serve in greeting. And let me just say, if you're greeters, like this matters so much because you warm up the space for you to acknowledge that somebody exists and that they are here and to have a quick conversation with them or simply to smile at them is a humongous deal. Like, massive deal. Do you understand that sometimes, when I was a public school teacher, I would have students stay in the room during lunch sometimes, simply because there was another adult that would actually look at them and talk to them. And sometimes these teenagers, high school 
teenagers would say that to me. I just, I just wanted somebody to talk to. Sometimes they would stay in my rooms just so that they could have somebody safe to talk to. You, when you serve at Northridge, when you help with Northridge, some of you come and you set up. Some of you were here at a little bit before 6.45 this morning. At literally everything you see minus the chairs and the tables. Take the chairs and the tables out. But every, literally everything else that you see was set up this morning. Early this morning. Again, I could go on and on and on. Our church, the one thing that holds us back as a church from being able to do more things is people being willing to do something. Sacrifice and serve. You have gifts and abilities. I don't necessarily know what they are, but you do. God wants you to use those to serve the church and serve outside the church. Let me give one more example. So Pastor Nick, you guys may or may not know, uh, but he leads the community engagement here at Northridge, which means not only, you know, stuff that happens on a Sunday that's visible, all kind of stuff, but the stuff that happens outside these walls and outside a Sunday morning, the vast majority of that, Pastor Nick leads that charge, okay? And he has a team that is around him, a team from Northridge, volunteers, many of you who serve with him to do that. And so let me just give an example of this, because this happens all the time. It's happening on a weekly basis that we're doing things, generosity, or we're helping somebody, or we're praying with somebody or counseling or do it whatever the case is we're doing this stuff all the time uh, so this I don't know a few weeks ago we found out that at the middle school the teachers lounge the, the the microwave that they had was going bad it wasn't working right or whatever I don't know the details it doesn't matter and and what we found this out and so we've been we're constantly in conversation with businesses and schools and and people in our community to see what is happening so that maybe we can step in and help we're constantly asking the question, how can we help? What can we do for that reason? And so we found this out. And so uh, somebody from Northridge, Amy, Amy Buckholtz, uh, she grabbed a couple of other teenagers, her son, Adam, and, uh, and another gal, Nora Jimenez, who is, who is here. She's right over here. All right. And they went into the teacher's office and they had, we got two new microwaves and some other stuff. You can see coffee cups and you see napkins, you see some treats and all kinds of stuff. And, and we just kind of, we just kind of gifted that to the middle school. Now you understand that we don't talk about these things all the time because we don't want to be like, woo, Northridge is awesome. Look how awesome we are. But I will say that we're doing this kind of stuff all the time. Pastor Nick has, ask Pastor Nick what we're doing or what can be done. He'll have ideas for you right out of the gate. I just put you on the spot, Pastor Nick. There you go. Be ready. All right. But I know, I know he does because he sends me ideas fairly often. Like he's got ideas. I know he's got ideas and things that are going on. And so they came in, they brought this and we got a card from the, from the teachers in the lounge and said, man, I just needed to do this. And the, the new microwave worked perfect. Like, thank you. This was so amazing. And they, they signed their names. They were just so grateful for the generosity. See, the, the point of being a follower of Christ is that. Church is not about sitting, it's about doing. Church is not about consuming, it's about giving. Church is not about sucking in, it's about giving out. When I say the word church, I'm talking about you, I'm talking about me. You are the church. 
What you're sitting in right now is not church. We call it church. We're going to go to church. Man, it's, I, I know we have to say something. We're going to go to the village center and meet with a group of people and sing, and we're going to listen to a sermon. And we're gonna, like, that's just tedious, right? So we don't say that. We're, gonna, we're going to church. We get that. We know what we're saying. So I'm not saying that's terrible. I'm just saying that the mentality behind it is terrible. You can't go to church because you are the church. You're already there. You're it. And the question I have for you is very simply this. Will you stop consuming and start doing? No, seriously. Will you stop consuming and start sacrificing? God does not bring you to any church, Northridge or otherwise. God does not bring you to any church so that you can just be there. He brings you into a body of Christ so that you can serve that body of Christ in an amazing and powerful way within your gifts and abilities. You may think, I, I don't know how to preach. I, I don't think I should be preaching. I don't know how to play an instrument. I don't know how to sing. I, I'm not even sure if I'm a good greeter. Right? Some of you are like, smiling is painful. I mean, seriously, some, some of you are like, no, seriously, it is. It's so painful. It's okay. You don't have to be a greeter. It doesn't have to be a visible thing. If you're good working with your hands, God will use that. If you're really, really good at like figuring problems out, whether they're mechanical, whether they're big picture things, God will use that. If you're good, I don't know what you're good, what a hundred different things, and whether you're a child or a teenager or an adult, it does not matter. God wants to take you and use what he's given to you to greatly glorify God and to change the world for people. Church, hear me on this. We have great things that we can do. We have amazing things that God is calling us to do. You're going to start hearing about some of that here very soon, the next three to six months. God has big things in store for us. I, I believe that. I feel that. I get that. But in order to see a lot of that happen, I know that it's going to require serving and sacrificing of ourselves. Setting our own time and agenda aside, it will cost you something. For a 15-year-old to sit here for four hours and listen to his own dad talk is painful. And you think I'm joking. I'm so serious. <laughs> but he does it not for me, but because he knows that God can use what he has to give. Same way for each one of you that serve and sacrifice already. And I would just challenge you, if you are not involved yet, the question becomes, how can you be? What can you do? You can do something. I know you can. It may not fit in the box of what you think traditional church is. Don't worry about that. God is not confined by the church box. Neither should we. God has great things for us. Are you willing to answer the question, what should I start doing? Are you willing to take that step?
whatever that step is, reach out to us. If you're like, I have no idea, but you're like, okay, I need to be doing something. I have no clue what that is. Cool. Send us a note. We'll have a conversation with you. (laughs) My staff just went, oh man, here we go. Seriously, we'll figure it out. It might take us a bit, but we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out together. We've got amazing things to do with God and for God. What do you need to start doing? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you didn't call for us to be consumers. Jesus, you offered all of yourself to us. You gave your entire life for us. It was all of you that was on the cross, that was nailed to the cross. Every one of us and our sin was nailed to the cross. You gave everything you have. Everything. You left heaven for us. You came to live on earth in the flesh for us. You served, you sacrificed everything for us. Now you simply ask us to do the same. To serve and to sacrifice our own plans, our own agendas, our own time, our own resources, finances, whatever it may be. You just simply ask us to sacrifice some of that back to you, to serve you and to serve people around us that desperately want to see genuine, authentic love that comes out of sacrifice. God, you know what's on my heart and mind right now that you are calling Northridge to be and to become. We're doing great things now, but I believe you're calling us to even greater, much greater things. I truly believe that, God. I get that sense. I've had that sense for for a long time now. So God, help us to step in and say yes to what you are calling us to do. Help us to answer the question, what should we start doing uniquely for each one of us in our gifting? And we look forward to what only you can do. Help us to realize that you are good, that you are awesome, that you're in control, but that you also are nourishment, our bread of life. We pray this and we ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.